When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Home and home. Let's start with what starts tonight, Jason. And that is the NFL Combine, which is kind of hilarious because the NFL Combine started on Monday, but it actually starts tonight in terms of things we can watch other than interviews. So far, the players have done the medical testing. They've done interviews. Joe Burrow says he'll be a bangle. Tonight, though, is the first time they'll actually get on the field and do something. And for the first time, they're going to do it in prime time. So let's start with the first part, okay? The players, tonight it's tight ends, wide receivers, quarterback. Let's just start with this, Jason. You are a sports guy. Hockey's your favorite sport, but you're a sports guy. You've been in the industry for years. Do you give a shit about the combine workouts at all? Yeah, I love See, I actually like the combine, and here's why. Um, first and foremost, it's wide receivers, tight ends, and quarterbacks, which I enjoy watching them display their skills. But what it really is, Ross, is I haven't had the NFL now since the Super Bowl. I tried the XFL, and, and it tastes like a bad clam, right? I got an argument with a guy on Twitter last night. I'm like, it's just not good enough. It's, it's you know, a Bobo brand of football. And what the Combine does for me every year, and the reason I like it, is like I'm starting to crave NFL again a little bit. But I'm not ready to go full-blown season just yet. But it's a signal that the NFL off-season program, which I actually like because I love the rhythm of it, combine, league year starts with free agency, your teams start to improve, start to hear some chatter, the Schefters and the Ian Rappaports and Jake and Lackenforth, they all come out of hibernation, right? So I get excited because it's a signal that the NFL off-season program is about to begin. So it starts. It does get my juices flowing, and I like to look. I love college football. We talked about it the other day, and I love to see. Like I want to see Joe Burrow. He's not going to throw, which I never understood. Like, dude, why even go if you're not going to throw a ball around? But anyway, uh, but I, I want to see who's got the big arm, who who's got these intangibles sometimes that don't even matter for football. But I, I like the I like the combine. I'll tune in. I'm not going to say I'm going to lock it in until you know stem to stern. But I'm definitely going to dip in and watch it for a good hour. Absolutely. It's a rite of passage. You were at the Combine. Did you, did you have one of those goofy jerseys on with the number on it? Oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't a good enough prospect to be invited to the Combine. I was bottom of the barrels. I don't know how many they invited that year, 250, 300. I was not invited. I did a pro day at Rutgers. Which, by the way, that's probably when you've hit a new low, when you can't get invited to the combine, so you got to go to Rutgers for a pro day. 
Uh, Rutgers only had one guy that even got drafted. It happened to be Mike McMahon, the quarterback. Remember Mike McMahon played for yeah, the Eagles for a little Eagles. bit, actually. Yeah. Yeah, Mike and I were the same year. So I went to Rutgers for their pro day because I was not invited to the combine. A teammate of mine actually was, and he was a total freak show. And he like crushed the combine, was like second in every event. Uh, and everybody's like, who is this dude from Princeton? Shout out Dennis Norman, by the way. You know, there's two things I like about the combine. I like physical freaks. Okay, I think we all do somewhere deep down. Does it make that much of a difference in for how they are as a football player? Not necessarily. Remember that offensive tackle from Maryland, Bruce Campbell, a few years ago yeah. that ran a 4.68 at like 3.18, and we're like, oh, my gosh. And, like, the Raiders took him in the fourth round, never played a snap of football in the NFL because – and I know this is going to shock you. 40-yard dash time, not the most important aspect of playing offensive line. Not <laughs> the most critical thing for that position. So I'll just say this. I like physical freaks, and it's fun. Like tonight, right? I think we all want to see what Henry Ruggs runs in the 40. I mean, that's about as fast of a dude I've seen on a college football field ever. That kid from Alabama, the receiver, and by the way, based on uh, going on all these different radio.com insider hits across the country with all our affiliates, Jay, evidently every team will be drafting Henry Ruggs. Every team's like, we just need deep speed. We're gonna take, we're gonna take Ruggs. Everybody says that. Every team. Uh, there's only one of them. Good luck. Good luck <laughs> getting that dude from Alabama. Uh, but so I'm I'm curious about that. I will say this, though. I, I don't get a lot out of the other workouts. You know, I, I really, if there's a guy that we think is going to run a really fast time, I'm curious to watch some of the guys run their 40. The other stuff, though, I don't get a lot out of it. Frankly, what I like the most about it is probably just hearing formerly Mike Mayock, now Daniel Jeremiah, just talk about the prospects. So I, it just helps me know more about them as we get closer to draft season. That's the other part. It, this is like a crash course in the guys that we're going to be talking about when we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. And look, when when you're at the office water cooler, you want to go, oh, did you see uh, such and such quarterback? you know, great footwork and you want to, you just want to sound educated and you and it's a great way that if you didn't have a chance to watch, you know, PAC 12 football inside and out this season, that you can get a crash course on the guys that matter from the PAC 12. Um, remember last year, DJ Metcalf, you talk about like physical specimens. You saw him, you're like, Oh my God, like, look at this dude. Like, well, how is he even built like that at that age? You're right. It's freak show talent that I love to see as well. Now that doesn't mean, that they're going to be great football players just because you just have this athletic ability and prowess and physical stature, but it is pretty sick. Like I love watching those guys, you know, a guy that runs a, a four, three or a sub four, four forty, just like, you've got to be kidding me. It's like, you got a jetpack on your ass. And I love watching that. So, and, and the big word this year, Ross, from everybody around the NFL coming out of the combine and all the, uh, uh, all the availabilities from general managers and coaches is, is 
the big word this year is speed. Everybody wants speed. So if you go to the combine and you run a great 40, then all of a sudden you're going to see guys shoot up the draft board this week. You're going to see a lot of that just based on speed. Yep, it it makes a big difference. And listen, we're in a copycat league. You hear that all the time, Jay. And look who won the Super Bowl, the Chiefs. With Tyreek Hills, the fastest football player I've ever seen in my life. McCole Hardman is fast, fast. Sammy Watkins can run. Demarcus Robinson can run. I mean, they're like a four-by-100 team. And by the way, if you look at the next-gen stats for average speed of ball carriers, so they looked at the whole year, and you know how they can tell you the guy went 21 miles an hour or 18 miles an hour when they had the ball now? Jay, you know how they have that, right? Yeah. The two fastest teams over the course of the entire season were with the ball in their hands were the Chiefs and the Niners. All those Niners receivers, I mean, I'm sorry, all those Niners running backs, Mostert and Breida and Coleman, they look like they're shot out of cannons Mm -hmm. when they get the ball. Debo Samuel, uh, Marquise Goodwin, I mean, speed kills, man, and those teams proved it that made the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, if you got speed, and when you see both teams in the Super Bowl, and I love the next-gen stats, by the way, I remember when Deshaun Jackson came in and hit the first game. He ran 23.2 miles per hour on that 62-yard reception, whatever. Um, But when the two teams that are in the Super Bowl are the fastest two teams, you're right. It's a copycat league. Everybody is going to go, well, if we don't have speed at those those key positions like running back and receiver and probably D-back because you got to cover these receivers, then we're dead. And so speed is – what everybody is going to determine now kills. But it's weird because just because you're fast doesn't mean you're going to be a good player. There's a lot of guys that are really fast but have no idea how to cover or no idea how to run a route or no idea how to run with the football. But if you don't have speed, and like it was crazy how often you heard, and I was reading a ton about the, the availabilities the last couple of days down at the Combine from GMs and coaches and how often every single one of them mentioned speed. So these guys, I can't wait to see – who runs a time that they weren't expecting, and then then how that correlates to the mock drafts where they go from getting drafted 24th in the NFL to all of a sudden now being a top eight pick. Because it's going to happen. That's what's going to happen this week. The amount of money that's going to change for some guys because of where they're drafted based on how they run this week is insane. And that's that's why I'll be watching tonight. And that's why I'll be watching the combine. I love it. You know... Our poll question today is our Ask Reddit question, and we're going to get to that later on in the show. But I almost feel like another poll question could have or should have been, Jason, are you going to watch the Combine tonight? Because before, when it was during the day, I feel like a lot of people would just kind of put it on their TV screen and their home office or whatever, right? Certainly people in the media like you and I, we would have it on. But now since it's tonight, you're going against college hoops. You're going against NBA, NHL. So I understand that the NFL wanted the combine to be primetime because people work during the day. So they want to get better ratings. They want to get more eyeballs. But I guess I wonder if it backfires 
I'll be very curious to see how many people choose watching guys do drills in T-shirt and underwear versus actually watching, like, important college basketball and, to some extent, NBA games. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I'm a football head, so I'll probably have it on the combine. But will you? Like, do you think most people – what do you think most people do? Millennials, chime in on our private Slack channel, by the way. We got a private Slack channel. We got an army of millennials that help us with the show. I'm genuinely curious. Would they rather watch NBA or college basketball like late season important? Or would they rather watch the combine? Yeah, I'd rather I'm going combine first because I, this is the opportunity to get educated about a lot of college players that you didn't you couldn't, you know, invest the time in to really get to know. Look, Ross, if, if there was a, an XFL playoff game tonight against the Combine, I would watch the Combine because it's going to be the, the guys that are in the NFL. It's way more intriguing to me than watching the XFL. And look, the NBA, we're getting down to the final quarter of their season. I get it. But. I have a little bit of I'm missing the NFL already. It's only been what three and a half weeks since the Super Bowl, but I'm already starting to to miss the NFL, and this is the signal that the NFL offseason program is ready to begin. So it kind of moves to the top top of the list. Now I won't watch it all night, and if my favorite team was playing tonight, I'd watch a little bit of the combine and I'd kind of balance back and forth, or I'd even go dual screens tonight. You know, get one streaming and then the other one on the main TV. But I definitely, Combine is a part of tonight, this evening, and I'm happy. I don't have a Flyers game I have to work tonight, so I'm going to hunker down and I'm going to put it on the TV. My wife's going to go, what the hell are you watching? And I'm going to say, I'm watching the Combine. Zip it. <laughs> you know what? I, I am curious to see what the ratings are. I'm guessing the ratings will still be better because it's at night as opposed to during the day when so many people are working. But I'll be curious to see how much better and very anxious to see how the NFL combine stacks up ratings-wise to some marquee college basketball and NBA action tonight. Tonight is, we mentioned earlier, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. It's thought to be maybe the best wide receiver class ever. All kinds of speed. I talked to my buddy Greg Cosell uh, for tomorrow's Ross Tucker football podcast available here on the radio.com app. And he thinks Jerry Judy from Alabama is by far the number one wide receiver. I asked him that. Some other people have CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma, not Cosell. He loves Jerry Judy. And Jerry Judy has a very interesting nickname as well as uh, something unique that he wears around his neck. He wears the star of David, the Jewish necklace around his neck. And he was asked at the combine why that's the case. Oh, so, so my last name, Judy, people sometimes call me short for Jew, like one Jew. So I just got a Jewish star. So yeah, I'm not Jewish though. <laughs> <laughs> so I get okay. I so here's I'm not Jewish though. Here's question. So you and I were both laughing at that, okay? Neither one of us is Jewish. Um I think it's funny, 
but I'm not Jewish. You know what I mean? Like, I, to me, it's funny that a guy that's not Jewish would wear the Star of David around his neck because people call him as a nickname Jew. And so he wears that. Like, that's funny. I mean, I, I like, I think that that is, in my mind, objectively funny. But I did see at least one guy on Twitter, um, at least one uh, Jewish guy on Twitter that took offense to it, didn't like it. It is an interesting choice, right? Like, to wear the Star of David and what that signifies and what that means because it's a nickname, I don't know. Like, I, let, let me put it this way. I think it's funny, especially because he went out of his way to say, I'm not Jewish, though. Yeah. But, but I don't think it's my position to say you shouldn't be offended. And if a Jewish person was kind of offended, I guess I would understand. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, you tell me. We've got some of our millennials are Jewish, so we'll get one of them to hop on and see whether or not they're offended. I, I've seen you know, guys like Jeff Schwartz, who played in the NFL for a long time, offensive lineman, who is Jewish, who wasn't offended at all. Uh, but evidently there was at least one guy on Twitter that Jeff Schwartz pointed out that Ron, was. Breaking news. Somebody on Twitter was offended? I'm, I'm stunned. In this day and age, somebody got offended by something? <laughs> it's I, Look, I, you're right. It's not my position because I'm not Jewish, so I don't know if that's offensive to Jewish people. So that's that's going to have to be somebody who's of the Jewish faith called to determine whether that is offensive or not for a non-Jewish guy to wear it and just wear it because his nickname is Jew. Um, but look, people in this world, they get offended by everything. They're offended by, I mean, you can't even call it a manhole cover in California anymore. They have to call it a maintenance cover because it's sexist or whatever. Like that's the world we live in. But like, it was a funny story and, and him going, but I'm not Jewish though, is, is the funny part about it. Um, and it's pretty cerebral of him to go, Hey, my nickname's Jew. So I'll wear the star of David. So it's kind of funny, but yeah, not my place to determine whether it's um, whether it's offensive or not. The Jewish people will have to make that determination on their own. Look, I'm a Catholic, and if he was wearing and his middle name his name was Jesus, and they called him Jesus, and he wore a cross, I wouldn't be offended by it. That's just me, um, because that's his nickname. But I don't know. But the fact that somebody on Twitter got offended by it is like the least shocking thing I've ever heard in my entire life because Twitter's the worst place on the planet. It's the cesspool of, uh, of humanity. I will say this though, our society's all about getting offended. You know what I'm offended by? I'm offended by how easily people get offended. Me too. Can you do that? Can I, can I be offended by how easily people get offended? Let's ask one of our producers, Joey Gelman, done an outstanding job on home and home throughout. He is Jewish in his mid twenties. Hello, Joey. Hello. Thank you for coming on your show that you produce every day. Um, your initial reaction when you heard this Jerry Judy story. Well, first and foremost, I love how this is my debut on the show as the Jewish expert aficionado for the combine. Hey, by the, the producer, way, Joey, you could have given yourself way. better hey. lighting. 
Yeah, and 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 Joey, it's it's better than you being on here because you dropped twenty in a game in intramural. No big deal. Okay? <laughs> That's never happened. Twenty a game intramural. No big deal. No big deal. The honest brag. Oh, that's awesome. No, I when when I first heard it, it's funny. Like, is it the best thing to do in the world to to wear that? I don't know. It may not be the most correct. Like, if I wore a cross, if my last name was Cross, but I think it's honestly hilarious and incredible. I mean, listen, we're trying to get any athlete we can to represent uh, all, all the Jewish non-athletes in the world. So. When we lose guys like Bregman and Braun to cheating, we'll take Jerry Judy any day, and he probably can kick their ass in any game they play. So I, I'm i not offended by it. I think it's incredible and pretty funny. If it was something seriously offensive, obviously we'd, it wouldn't be great, but he didn't mean anything by it. It's, it's a funny little nickname for him, and he's he's living it out and, and having fun with it. All right, so so for people, listeners, viewers, whatever, that aren't as familiar, don't know, what exactly does the Star of David signify? Oh, now you're quizzing my Jewish education for 15 years. You have to know this. You don't know your own faith? I do know my own faith, but now on the spot, I am blanking on my own faith. <laughs> that, that's okay. Um, Wait, when you get on the so spot my- at the gates, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> that's being on the spot brother but, but but i will say this though joey you do know this part of it right which is that for the people that wear that they they are really like showing their faith and showing how much it means to them right like Absolutely. people that wear the star of david necklace their judaism it means a lot to them and it's near and dear to their heart, and they want people to know that. Absolutely, that's exactly what it's for. And, so do you? So do you wear? Do you wear it? I do what? not. I used to when I was younger, when I was at like Jewish day school and things, and and wore it. But I haven't worn it in a few in probably ten years. Right. So, but my point is like, if you're someone that 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 symbol means a lot to you, and it's important to you, and you wear it because your faith means a great deal i guess i'm not going to jump down somebody's throat if it bothers them that some football players wearing it just as like a nickname yeah absolutely and i i think that makes sense if, if you view it in that lens right i guess i'm not viewing it in that lens um i know it's important it's important to me but it wasn't coming off as offensive he was genuinely using his nickname and found a a necklace to match that and he's not really disrespecting it if he if he was it'd be a bigger issue yeah it's the shield of david by the way that that's what it is it's considered a shield yeah like to protect you to so it's a protection like you wear it for protection yeah it's not a shield in the literal sense let me ask you this because um so He's wearing the Jewish star, but he's not Jewish. There was a guy that played in the NHL. His name was Miroslav Shatan, but his last name was spelled S-A-T-A-N, so it was Satan, right? So if he wore an upside-down cross because his, they, his nickname was Satan, would that be offensive? Huh. That's a tough one. Like if a, guy, if a player, a professional athlete, and his teammates called him Satan because his name was Satan, but it was spelled Satan. 
if he wore an upside down cross as a necklace, would that be offensive? Would Christians be offended by that? I wouldn't as, as a Catholic. Yeah, I'm sure there would probably be some, but the background behind it, the nature behind it is of pure, I think, innocence. With it. It's pretty funny. Ross, do you, you uh, have any weird uh, things with your teammates? <laughs> I'm trying to think of some of the nicknames. Joe, do you have a nickname? Do I have a nickname? I feel like you your nickname should no. be – I feel like your nickname should be JG. It's sometimes like if I JG. Had to give you a, if I had to give you a nickname, you'd be JG. I like JG. I go some, with Gels. Gels works. For some reason in college, and I can't figure it out why, the nickname from my roommates for me became Jizzle, and I cannot figure out why. Giselle? And it's a rough one, I know. <laughs> oh, I you can, can have fun with that, Ross. I can go a lot of different ways with that, but I'm not going. It goes right back to your story for uh, you and your sister. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> My Ross, what was your nickname? Great story. What's that? What was your nickname? Just like Tuck? Yeah, always Tuck. Well, I mean, so growing up, my family would call me Bam Bam sometimes because. <laughs> I probably told the story before, but when I would, when they would put me, my parents would put me in the high chair, I knew like Pavlov's dog, I knew that meant food was coming. So I was usually hungry and they put me in the chair, high chair, but there wasn't food there yet. I used to take both my fists and bang, 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 bang until they actually brought the food over. So they called me Bam Bam. My grandpa called me Rooster for some unknown reason. But uh, college, NFL, NFL for sure. Every team I went to, it was like immediately I was Tuck. Immediately I was Tuck. What about you, Jay? Uh, mine's always been Mert. Just my, la- my last name is a mess, Mertita, so it's just Mert. And, um, professionally, nobody calls me that. So like when I would be on the air and I get a, we get a phone call from a, a listener and they would call me Mert, I always knew that person was from my personal life. And it always made me uncomfortable. <laughs> they didn't yeah, because like, no. you didn't know what they're about to say. Well, they knew me too well. I was like, it's bullshit. You're not allowed to call me on the radio. You can call me off the air. You can't call me on the radio. I, that's a total bushly bullshit move. Yeah, they can make you real uncomfortable. Real it, uncomfortable. It made you, like, squirm. I'm like, dude, I know this guy. Like, I hang out with a guy. And then he call you on the radio, and you'd be like, oh, shit. Just make you feel weird. All right, so we got to several things we wanted to, but we didn't get Did we? into the food. <laughs> Did we? <laughs> Did we? <laughs> Did we? Did we? Did we, Richard? Did we? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even know what that's from, but that's a great line. I have no idea. Is that a movie? Is that a movie? Did we? Did we, though? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, so we got Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus coming up in 15 minutes, and we are going to dive into – their data, and from their perspective, what drills matter and what drills don't at the Combine. But before that, there's one other story from the Combine about what a guy is eating or at least had to eat to get to that point that we wanted to share and maybe even dive into that Tiger Woods conversation when we return. But first, five-hour energy. 
Yummy, yummy in my tummy. Anyone who travels frequently, like our guy Dave Briggs in Machu Picchu right now, knows how tiring it can be. Especially probably if you're going up the steps at Machu Picchu. I doubt they have an elevator. Whether you're on business or on vacation, a five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. With zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size, it's the perfect pick-me-up for busy, hardworking people. Now it comes in two great extra-strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They are delicious and can take you to a tropical on-the-go experience. Five-hour energy shot can help you stay alert and energized wherever you may be headed. So as we continue the combine conversation, before we talk with Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus in about 12 minutes, one of the things they're doing differently this year, Jason, is they want you to weigh in again. Because you typically weigh in like the day you get there, they do your height and weight. But then it's two days later that you're actually doing the on-field workouts. And so the NFL, the scouts are requesting, let's see how much he weighs when he's actually doing the athletic testing. And so this is the first time they're making that request. But I guess a lot of agents are saying to their players, don't do it. Don't do it because obviously those guys, in my, I'm guessing they make sure they weigh more two days earlier. And then after that, they probably really tighten it up in terms of what they eat so that they're as lean and mean as possible for the agility testing. Plus, they probably don't like just the unknown of it, and they've never done it before. So I'll be curious to see, Jay, how many guys will weigh in again. Yeah, because some guys will go in and they'll take in as much water or fluid to weigh as much as they can. So they'll go, oh, he weighs 280. And then two days later, he actually weighs 265, and he ran a 4.4, right? And it'll be listed, though. He weighed 280 and ran a 4.4, which won't be the case because somehow they can pump you full of liquids or make you heavier, and then your body— And then what do they do as soon as they get off the scale? They start flushing and using things to flush their body so they're lighter so they can run faster. Um, so, yeah, I, if I'm them, if I'm the players, at some point, too, you got to go, like, enough of this, like, dog and pony show— like the combine, the one thing that I'm disturbed about the combine is like Joe Burrow's going, but he's like, nah, I'm not going to throw. Well, that's like a pitcher going in for a workout to work out for a team and going, yeah, guys, I'm going to come in and work out for you, but I'm not going to throw. It's like, well, what are you doing here then? Are we just going to give you a couple quizzes? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, he's there. He's there for the medical testing and he's there for the interviews with the teams and the you shuttle know, run. You can't go higher than one, bro. It's like what we said the other day about a lifetime sentence. Like, you can't go higher than one. He's supposed yeah. to go one. I don't think I would do shit if I were him. I Why mean, did he show up? Well, because you are confident in your ability when you talk with the teams. And none of that stuff is really risking your health. Not that throwing is, but running a 40, jumping, I guess. You know, it's happened before where guys have gotten hurt. Sidney Jones, the Eagles corner, got hurt on his pro day. Tore his yeah. Achilles. So, at any rate, 
Um, I do think that is interesting. Speaking of interesting, there's a D3 guy at the Combine, which almost never happens. His name is Ben Barch. He's an offensive lineman from St. John's University in Minnesota. He was a tight end. They moved him to offensive line, and he gained 65 pounds from 250 to 275, then 275 to 305. Now he's 315. And here's what he had, a smoothie for breakfast every day. Seven scrambled eggs, a tub of cottage cheese, quick grits, peanut butter, a banana, Gatorade. He said, I'd gag sometimes, but that's what you have to do. I just kind of researched online for the most clean and healthy ingredients for putting on good mass. That summer, I went from 250 to 275, and after that, 275 to 305. All right, so to me, there's one glaring question out of what he said that I don't understand. Does anything jump out to you? Um, no, I mean, this guy could try to bulk up, and I, I actually think that, that shake sounds pretty good. Uh, I don't know. You put the Gatorade in there. I, I don't know. Well, that's I, a know, weird mix, but, yeah. Banana, peanut butter, yeah. What I don't understand, what jumps out to me, why would you scramble the eggs? Why if you're putting, them? if you're putting it into a blender, why are you? Why don't you have hard boiled eggs? What? Why are you putting it in? Why are you scrambling eggs and then putting them into a blender? I don't yeah. get it. It's all going to end up a big mess anyway. Right. Yeah. You right. Might, that's a good point. I, I, I don't. I don't really understand that. So it's interesting. There's only a couple times I ever, Jay, really had to work at gaining weight and really made it an emphasis. Mm -hmm. Like after my junior year of high school, basketball was the first time I started doing protein shakes with like creatine. You know, okay. this is 1995, 96. Creatine was big. And I started getting letters from colleges, but I was very much a late bloomer. Six foot 170 in 10th grade, 6'3", 210, maybe in 11th grade. But I started getting letters from colleges, and I knew I wanted to try to play college football, and I knew I'd be going on college visits in the spring and summer. So I started taking like weight gainer shakes, protein shakes. And then creatine. And I was 240, 245 by the summer doing that. And it didn't taste great. I remember distinctly being at parties and bringing my weight gainer shake. And people would be like, can I get a sip of that? They get, and they'd be like, oh, that's like gross. Cardboard. Be like, yeah. it, it, it was not great tasting, but you got to do what you got to do. Like it's, it, it's. It's part of it was part of my process at least back then. Well, remember Tony Mandarich, the big enchilada? Yeah. 
Um, and he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was on a diet that he was eating 12,000 to uh, tw- I think it was 12,000 to 15,000 calories a day. He was drinking these shakes that were 3,000 calories on their own. That's a lot of like Joe Waiter protein powder, right? Uh, and he just got, he was enormous. He was like 350 pounds. He was supposed to be this freak of nature. He ended up being a total bust. Uh, but he was eating like insane amounts of food, like a pound of bacon and a dozen eggs for breakfast, which is nuts, right? Um, but it can't be good for your body to be gaining weight that quickly because you can't gain weight that quickly and make it muscle without gaining fat, right? Did you notice that when you tried to, when you put on that weight? What? That, that you're putting on weight, but it can't be you're putting on weight as muscle if you're putting in that many calories into your body. It has to first be fat. Well, I think it was a combination, obviously, mm-hmm. but I do think you can put weight on too quickly. Um, and I think I might have done that. You know, like <laughs> in hindsight, I don't know. Like, I kind of wish I was only. 230 my senior year whatever I was naturally because I would have rather been more athletic to make more plays on defense the only other time but dude you got to understand that time of year like when I was in high school I was growing so fast height width whatever that like when I would go to subway I would get two footlongs like with extra meat, double meat, and bacon, and eat them both. Even in the NFL, my wife and I were recently talking about this. First time I ever took her to Chipotle was when I was playing for the Cowboys, and I got two burritos. Two Chipotle burritos is no joke, bro, because I put a lot of stuff in those. That is that is no joke. That's like straight 3,000, 4,000 calories at one sitting. Because those also things like are fifteen hundred calories. Yeah, <laughs> they're heavy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, so you still eat like really... that? No. So my issue is on the weekends I don't eat as healthy as I should, and sometimes portion control. But during the week I actually eat pretty healthy. I'm trying to keep my weight under two fifty. I'm really big into joint preservation. So like, I don't do anything where I impact the ground. All I do is lift light weights or yoga or like elliptical stepper because I really messed up my joints. I know that, you know, from age five to age 28. So I'm trying to keep these things and have them last as long as possible so I can delay a knee replacement or delay things like that. So I don't do anything really that puts further wear and tear on my joints, but I still should be even tighter with my diet. I'm, and drinking hurts too, like having beers. <laughs> that hurts because the IPAs, number one, the IPAs are a bunch of calories. Number two, the IPAs lead to late night eating, right? Like they, they, they lead to like, okay, I've had a couple IPAs. Now I want to have these chocolate-covered pretzels, or now I want to have this I, I, something. It leads to bad choices. Well, if you're hungover, too, then you're, you're, you're craving grease and garbage and cheese. 
So do you get hungover when you drink the IPAs? I don't usually drink that many. You yeah, know what I mean? I like one and I'd be hungover. Yeah. Now I got a pretty, I'm pretty good in that regard. So not really, not really that far. Um, which leads us to another question. Speaking of food, Tiger Woods went out and he has said what his menu will be for the Masters. This is an annual tradition. Do you know what it is, Jason, when they actually say what the meal is that they're going to have? Like when the meal is eaten? It's earlier that week. Um, I think it's the Wednesday night after the Par 3 Challenge. And usually they don't announce the meal until the day before. So like the Tuesday before the master starts on Thursday. Um, but Tiger let the cat out of the bag early. And he's uh, I, I'm totally down with his meal. I think it looks great. How about this? Steak and chicken fajitas. Sushi. Sashimi on the and sashimi on the deck. I'm not sure what sashimi is, but I know what sushi is. Uh, so I, that sounds like a good meal. And he's debating on whether to go back to the milkshake as the dessert because he had the milkshake back in 1998. So that's the big decision still looming. So later on in the show, you and I are going to figure out what our meals would be. I would just say I kind of like Tiger's meal. That's a pretty that's darn nice good job. meal right there. Yeah. yeah. I would eat Did the nice crap job. out of that. And Tiger definitely go milkshakes. For dessert. I love milkshakes. It's weird with milkshakes that they put like three scoops in, but it doesn't feel like you're having three scoops worth of ice cream. And I feel like I could have five milkshakes. No hesitation. In fact, when I go out with my daughters and wife, I'll get four milkshakes knowing fully well, those three are not going to finish theirs. So I get one for me a half of my one daughter's, a little bit of my other daughter's, at least a half of my wife. She never drinks more than a half. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. 
Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. If you could pick between $100,000 tomorrow or a million dollars in 10 years, which would you pick and why? It is our Ask Reddit question of the day here on Home and Home, the radio.com sports original. He's at Jason Mertitis, at Jason Mert on Twitter. I'm Ross Tucker, at Ross Tucker NFL, the show at RDC Home and Home, where you can vote on the poll question, which is the Ask Reddit question today. The answers to this point, 58.6% say $1 million in a decade. 41.4% say hundred k tomorrow. What say you, Jason Mertides? Well, And I'm looking at some of the responses to the Twitter poll as well, Ross. Um, like Jara CTN says, hundred k I have no guarantee I'll be here in 10 years. Like, dude. I get it, but think about the kids, man. Think about your family. I got to go a million in 10 years, and even if I don't make it, well, that sucks, but at least my kids will be here. I'm assuming that they can inherit the million as opposed to the 100 grand that I'm going to blow through like like a wet tissue. You know what I mean? So I got to go a million in 10 years. And maybe I can get a couple loans along the way so I can live a little better in the next decade. So that's the right thing I to gotta, do, isn't it? I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you that there's a lot to discuss here, bro. First of all, so many of the responses, it's a, it's hilarious how many people are so confident that they could turn a hundred thousand dollars into a million in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> that is over a 26% annualized compound return. Good luck, dude. Good luck. 26% annualized for 10 straight years? No chance. That's not happening. Like that that is a dream the amount of people that think that, though, like, that's, it's scary. We, we should maybe do, we should either do more of these type of questions or never do them again. I haven't decided yet, but it is scary. <laughs> I personally think the answer has a lot to do with where you are in your life, right? I think most people, most logical rational human beings would take the million dollars in 10 years. Now, if you're 75 years old and you know, you're not in greatest health or something, or if you're really hurting for money now, I guess I can see that. But even if you're really hurting for money now, you're getting by somehow, aren't you? I guess they don't want to take the chance of having to try to get by for 10 years and it'd be so much better not have to live paycheck to paycheck. I can see that. I, I can see the hundred grand now for people that are in that situation. But if you don't really need the money now, take the million in 10 years, please. Yep. 
and set yourself up for it too. Knowing knowing it's going to be there, it the time's going to move slow as can be till you get there. But like I I do understand people too. Like they just some people are so crippled in debt that they just want to take the hundred grand and clear the deck, and that peace of mind that they have immediately makes living now better than it'll be in ten years, provided they get there and get the million. So I understand that, but I mean from from a fiduciary position the taking the million in 10 years is the no-brainer even if you don't have kids or people to leave it to the fiduciary the responsible fiduciary decision is to take the million dollars because i i know all you people on twitter you got it all figured out you got the markets figured out for the next decade and you're going to get that 26 percent return i call total and complete bullshit you're not going to do it you'll end up with 200 grand and that's if you don't spend a nickel of the hundred thousand, by the way. So why? Which, take the by the way, which by now? the way, which by the way, if you're the person that thinks you can turn a hundred thousand into a million easily in ten years, you're definitely also the person that's going to spend a decent amount of that money. <laughs> yeah, you're really going to have to turn twenty-five grand into a million because you're going to spend seventy-five on some stupid Maserati or something like that. And no, it's not. I take the mill in ten, in ten years, and I'll be good to go. Knowing that when I'm, I'll be roughly forty-eight years old in a decade, or fifty-eight rather, I'll know that I'm not working a day beyond that, and I'm going to so, save every nickel between now and then. I thought bricks and bullets had a good response. He said, "One million in ten years, get a loan against it, put the money to work earlier, or you can just live off the money." If you get, if you're getting a million dollars in 10 years, you can get a bank to loan you a hundred thousand now. Yeah. I know that's not what they're talking about, but you can almost sell it at 600,000. You know, you can sell it to somebody that in in 10 years, I'm going to get a mill. You give me 600 now and you're going to get an extra 400 for somebody that's in a position where they can sell it. Like Russ, I'm watching this McMillions documentary on HBO about the monopoly game with McDonald's and the million dollar prize winners. And basically what the, these guys were doing and the mob got involved and the Colombo family and all this stuff, I don't want to ruin it for people, but he was basically selling the million dollar winner tickets to people for a hundred grand. And even, sometimes even more upwards of like $400,000. You had to pay a hundred grand up front to get the ticket to be a million dollar winner. And then every time you got a $50,000 check, you had to give another 10 grand. And you got a $50,000 check for 20 years to, to get to the million. So it, it's pretty wild. So I want to read these responses because I find this amazing. All right. You said, you said Jarrah's. Jay Cutler says you all. The annualized return would have to be more than 26% to turn that 100K to 1 million in 10 years. If you think you can do that, you're wasting time in your normal job. Cody said $100,000 would wipe out our debt and allow us to live off of one salary and save the other, which would be more than $1 million in 10 years. Wait, what? Okay. Then you, then you gotta be making 100 grand a year that you're saving and banking after taxes. Right, so why aren't you able to chip away at that debt and wipe away the debt now? I don't understand that one. Uh, wait a decade because I can't invest anywhere at a 26% return rate, which is what that comes to. 
I already told you, um, <clears throat> this guy said, not a bad idea. I saw it the other way. Take 100000 and build it up through investments through 10 years. Dude. You're not, you're not you getting it. You can't touch it. the money anyway, and that's not a guarantee. That's as dumb as it gets. If you're Sorry. smart with the 100K, you could turn it into, a, into millions in a decade. No. I'm old. I'm 10 years from 66 in Social Security. Don't know if I'll be dead in 10 years. I'll likely make it until tomorrow. Also, 1 million in 10 years could have less value than 100K does tomorrow. That's unlikely. You should um, account for inflation, but that's not going to happen. I took the 100K because nobody knows what the dollar will be worth in 10 years. People are really worried about the dollar in 10 years. What is this Canada, where it's worth 74 cents right now? The, the thing is, I could take I don't that 100,000 and into more than 1 million. That's why. 100K now. Who knows what will happen 10 years from now? You could turn 100K tomorrow into 10 million in a decade. Oh my gosh. That's a guy's a Bills fan, by the way. I wanted to read that one. He's a member of the Bills Mafia, clearly still at a tailgate. Yeah, he literally, he's the guy that jumps through the tables yeah. with his head first. And then a the guy oh, responded man. to him and said, You could turn 100K into nothing. <laughs> that, that is, that, this is scary. This is legitimately scary. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.